For years, BreweryDB has been the industry's only professionally curated source of brewery knowledge and responsible for mapping millions of visits to breweries all across the United States. In early 2021, BreweryDB revealed a whole new platform with all new features for craft lovers to plan their unique brewery experience. Find, filter, search, and route your way to breweries worldwide and in your own neighborhood. To take full advantage of the optimized power of BreweryDB and to increase your brew knowledge, visit BreweryDB.com, your digital destination for brewery experiences. Good Beer Matters shares the stories of craft and culture found in every glass, and I'm excited to announce that the Good Beer Matters podcast and BreweryDB are collaborating this year to help you get to the bottom of it. Visit us at BreweryDB.com and GoodBeerMatters.net to finally have the experience you've been missing. My name is Jeremy, and this is Good Beer Matters. Really, that aha moment of like, oh my gosh, the, the brewing and the culinary world are so close together. You're, you're looking for where they put as much thought into the service as to the beer as to the food and this is that where it jumps from being beer to being a beverage to being a community to being a story in the not so distant past a cold beer was something to drink after a long hard day while wine dominated fine dining but that's all changing my next guest is a chef who teaches us not only how to pair good beer and food, but how to put good beer into our food. I've studied, traveled, and tasted my way through some of the best beer the world has to offer. Over the past few years, I've also spoken to beer industry leaders from around the globe, and one thing is certain, the art, the science, and the culture of beer has more of a profound effect on us than we realize. There's a story of craft and culture found in every glass, and I intend to get to the bottom of it. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. I hope you enjoy episode 89 of Good Beer Matters with Brewers Association Executive Chef, Adam Dooley. Just in time for the holiday season, but of course this topic really um, can be implemented any time of year, but uh, we're going to talk about um, cooking and and beer. Um, and my next guest knows a, a thing or two or three or four about cooking and beer. Uh, Chef Adam, thank you so much for coming on to the Good Beer Matters podcast. Uh, great to be here with you. Um, I, I, I really want to know, I've done, of course, you know, I always do my research, but I want to hear about, um, you know, you trained as a chef, uh, at, uh, CIA, correct? That is correct. Then, uh, how did, uh, tell us your background and how you went from, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a chef, but I mean, tell us how you kind of got into beer and how beer became a part of, of the, your, your culinary world. Oh, sure. I'll give you the, the short version. Um, but it, it started um, on top of a mountain in Vail, Colorado, at a wine event uh, where there was all of these huge wines, big, just big California Vins, Burgundy wines. And uh, the organizers had built a snow castle for us to, to cook out of, which was cool until the sun came out and sun reflects off snow. And it just, you know, 
got incredibly hot. And there's probably 50 or 60 wineries there, and there was one brewery there. And the uh, the owner of that brewery came up to me and was like, hey, what are you cooking? Can we trade some food for some beer? I was like, I absolutely need a beer right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and that kind of started, honestly, that started a relationship there of um, we then kind of got to know each other and started doing events, and then it trickled into – Working with breweries and seeing the connection uh, between a brewer and a chef and the, the openness and willingness to share information to say, hey, have you tried this? Are you using this technique? Do you get this from this purveyor? Which is something that doesn't necessarily happen in the in the distilling spirits and wine worlds where things are a little more proprietary and kept secret. And so the relationship started to bloom from there. And then uh, that led to uh, meeting uh, some of the team at the Brewers Association that literally started with a conversation, uh, you know, of, hey, we should do something. Yeah, we should. And then, you know, you leave being like, that was cool. Nothing will probably ever happen. Uh, <laughs> and then that all started to happen, right, of, okay, how do we educate on beer and food? How do we start to do something small? And, you know, it, it started with one thing. It built into two to three to four to uh, almost an, an entire programming campaign to then doing educational materials. And it's just kind of honestly kept going uh, and uh, and still keeps going. And well, and, and I'm going to, in just a little bit, I want to unpack all of that because that that's exactly the uh, pun intended, the meat and potatoes that I want to dive into for this conversation. But um so, uh, so you graduated from CIA, um, and you started working for the Brewers Association with all the stuff you were just talking about. Um, uh, do I do I have this correct that uh, you are the executive chef for Saver as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. What what is um, so Saver exactly? <laughs> so Saver is uh, an event that uh, came about uh, to really kind of start to look at what could be different for a quote-unquote beer festival. And this took it to a little bit of a higher level where it was intricate pairings. Um, and it's, you know, uh, taking a brewery and saying, what two beers do you want to pour? Then saying, we need someone there who is either uh, the person who brewed this beer or the owner of the brewery because that's what people want to interact with. We want to get away from, you know, walking up to, um, a festival where, it, you know, people may be pouring the beer, but they're not able to talk about the history behind the beer or why they brewed it or what's not there. Then take it one level further. Bring in pairing. Bring in how beer and food relate, right? One of the things that, uh, that the, you know, kind of uh, all the styles of beer that we have in the world right now are amazing, but it's also scary for somebody who's new. And they may have one bad experience with one style and then be like, I'm I'm never going back to that again. But through food, you can transform someone's palate. And the goal there is to say, okay, you may not know beer, but you know what? You know what this tastes like. And so keep something familiar to people and then say, okay, go explore this side. Uh, And that's really on a, on a large side what that comes down to. And it's evolved into an event where people from all over come, people go big for like a huge date night, dress out to the nines to come in casual, to use it as a kickoff thing to come in and treat it as like uh, an or, you know, kind of a cocktail hour before going out to a beer dinner. Like 
it's become lots of things to lots of people. And I think that's, you know, one of the amazing connections that it, that it has. And it's started to kind of fill in uh, that kind of ability to show that a beer festival or a beer event, you know, getting away from the word festival, it can be many things. Uh, and it doesn't have to be uh, just something where it's, you know, pouring beer and go, go, go. Hmm. Um, I'm sorry, I was just kind of transitioning to the next thought. But um, uh, so you already talked about uh, kind of where the beer and food uh, kind of collided for you, or, or was there something else? I mean, did you have a time um, in your training or or what made you want to go uh, become a chef in the first place that, that kind of put beer on your uh, culinary radar? You know, in all honesty, it kind of happened by accident. Um, there always been beer around, right? And then, as you mentioned, formal culinary training um, started kind of on the path uh, in in the late 90s, and early 2000s. A lot of us did where it was like fine dining, you know, cutting edge stuff, working with, uh, you know, chefs that are kind of starting to define what we know as American cuisine. And beer was always there. Uh, you know, I remember doing beer dinners before, you know, at that time where, you know, it was like, how do we, how do we serve beer from a keg? Okay, let's get a 55 gallon trash can, fill it with ice and a hand pump and figure it out because the restaurant didn't have a draft system yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it was always there, but then really once relationships with brewers started to develop and talking to them, it started a little bit more. And then that third piece that kind of came in of, of starting to do things with the Brewers Association really kind of solidified it and kind of gave me that moment where I was like, okay, uh, is, is, you know, is craft beer the path that I want to go down? Is this, cause this is the decision point. And, you know, obviously that's, that's where I went down because of, and largely to be honest, it was due in part to the relationships and the people in the industry. Um, and, and just how close the, the brewing and the culinary industry are, uh, in, you know, how people take care of each other, the sharing of information, the mentoring of people, and really that, that effort to keep, the industry going for the next generations that come into it. Well, and to my knowledge, or to be honest, the lack thereof, uh, in culinary school, uh, the at least at least it used to be this way to to my to my knowledge um, is that you know when when you're talking about food and food preparation, you, you kind of talk about pairing with wine. But was there any conversation about? Um, beer during culinary school and how you know the and how you can use beer with food just as as well as you could use wine with food or was beer just kind of not really mentioned uh the conversations took place at the bar that were across the state highway that is um you know uh would the um dash across the highway to get to there at that point in time there were very there are very minimal conversations about beer and food you know looking at where it's come now uh you know Beer, you know, uh, there's a brewery at the Culinary Institute of America now with a, a brewer instructor, and they teach beer in their beverage programs. Still not to the level that wine and spirits are at, and you know that's probably going to stay for a while. Um, you know, but it, enough that people who do find their their passion in it early, or they do pique the interest in it, they're they're definitely have enough to go on now to be like, oh, I want to follow this. So it's it's definitely changed, but you're absolutely right. Um, you know, 20 years ago, uh, and even more, yeah, beer was not taught. It was 
the what you had at the end of a shift or it was uh, what you had before dinner uh, or maybe something with lunch or on a weekend, but it was not something that was paired. It was not something that was part of a multi-course menu. It was not something where you would say, hey, when you're building out your beverages at home, when you're getting ready to entertain, here's what you should have for beer. None of, none of that existed. Yeah, I was, I was, in fact, I was going to say uh, the same thing that you know, beer was something you had at the end of the shift, but wine was something you pair with your great meal that you put together. Um, and and luckily, uh, and 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 part uh, due to the work that you're doing, that's that's all changing. We can, you know, maybe at the end of the night, it's like, oh, I I just I just need a a, a glass of Riesling to <laughs> to to take the edge off that shift. But we just had a one heck of a beer dinner, didn't we? Um, Absolutely. Right. Um, uh, so if that's all changing, how is beer and flavor being taught in culinary schools now, to, to, as far as you know? You know, so it's being taught in a couple of different ways. You know, there's so many beer styles out there. So one of the things that, that you know, through the Brewers Association, we've kind of worked with a couple of key schools that have expressed a lot of interest in, in educating on craft beers. Okay, let's take 20 styles or if you only have the bandwidth for 10, let's take 10. But here's here's the styles to start at. Let's give everybody a starting point because you can't go into it going, hey, here's 103 beer styles. Go for it. Yeah. You know, you're going to overwhelm anybody, especially somebody learning about it. Uh, you know, and you've got you've to realize where we're coming into on it is we're teaching people who are coming into – the hospitality world, ideally with an open mind. You know, some of them are going to have a, a point of where they want to go. And it might be wine, it might be spirits, it might be beer, uh, it, it might be cooking, it might be front of the house, it might be back of the house. So we've got to go into it with not scaring them, right? We, we That's one of the things that all too often I think we do in the, in the beer and sometimes in the culinary world as well, where somebody like expresses interest and all of a sudden you're like, awesome here's this and you just go into this description of this length and they're just staring at you. Like I understood three out of those 20 words. Yeah. You're, you're going to lose their interest. So we've got to break it down to the simple things. Uh, and we've also got to say, it's okay to not like everything. You need to learn how to explain it and educate things on it, but you don't have to like, you don't have to personally enjoy and like all styles of beer. That's, that's okay. You know, uh, but uh, so those are kind of, where it's there to kind of pique that interest. Then it goes one step further into how does, you know, what's happening in, in the brewing industry, right? Where are the breweries at? What's the growth going on? What's packaging look like? What's on-premise versus off-premise? What's the difference between drafts? You know, how do you take care of a draft system? How do you present a can at a table? That was a huge conversation we just had a couple of years ago. How how with the shift to packaging and cans do you do tableside presentation of a can and make someone feel that they're getting the same value or perception of value as being poured a bottle of, a glass of wine from a bottle of wine? So it's it's integrating all of those things in there and then seeing who bites on it and then when they bite on it, okay, what more can what more do they want to go into? And that seems like an interesting. It seems like such a mundane conversation to have, but still a really important one. You know, the, the just the whole pomp and circumstance of presenting a bottle of wine. There's, there's, I mean, that's kind of like a 
that's a part of the evening that you know I think people kind of look forward to. It it's it's part of the uh, kind of the the sexiness of of everything. But to show up and do the same thing with a can of beer, it just it doesn't have the same. I mean, it would for me, and it probably would for you as well, but for the average person showing up and they, hey, we have this wonderful um, can of uh, uh, Cascade Brewing that's been aged for uh, one year in our cellar. <laughs> it's a, it doesn't have quite the same appeal, but um, but but hopefully we can shift those perceptions and 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 help people realize that no, actually that can that what's inside that can is going to be pretty dang spectacular. Absolutely. Um, and I'm just, uh, one of my curiosities is, um, I, I, I just got to ask the question, do you have any favorite uh, beer and culinary hotspots around the globe? And uh, you know, what are they and why? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, every, everywhere has its own kind of unique uh, place, right? Um, kind of some of the more exciting ones around the globe to see or see, or to see the ones where they're taking what, you know, we in, in the States started years and years ago and they're finding their own path with it. France is a good example of that. Uh, they are really embracing their own kind of craft brewing scene right now and the growth that's happening there. And you're seeing not only people learning from American craft there, but them also learning their own flavors for it. So that's, that's one really cool aspect of it. Right. But then also on the complete opposite side of it is to take some, somewhere that's like been a beer destination for a long time, like a San Diego or a Seattle or even a, even a Denver. Right. And see where beer is changing what's happening in the kind of, um, drinking and dining world that it's connected to there you know where is it eking into the new restaurants that are opening up or the new things that are happening in new neighborhoods as you know those cities kind of expand and or change a little bit and what breweries are opening and how are they making kind of that city their own so i i think those are probably two good areas to start with of like where where things are going and what's happening well, it, it, that makes perfect sense to me that places like San Diego and Seattle, and the example you gave, would be trying to stay on the cutting edge of of what's happening in the, world, the culinary world as well as the beer world. Um, but when we start talking about Europe, at least by my perception, there's there's a whole lot of tradition going on there, and with with uh, the American influence in craft beer. It it I've I've heard people tell stories about there's a little bit of a collision between tradition and innovation. But uh, can you tell us how beer is actually influencing change in the culinary world and the culinary traditions and and around some of those places that we mentioned? Um, yeah, you know I think it's doing the same thing that happened here in the states you know, 20, 30 years ago when it started kind of making those things is that you're seeing the relationships develop. You're seeing, and and it maybe it's from an importer who's bringing in some really amazing products from, from the U.S. or somewhere else, or it's somebody who's opening a brewery there. And, you know, you're seeing that connection to quality, to local, to uh, a story, and then really that aha moment of like, oh, my gosh, the, the brewing and the culinary world are so close together and there's a lot of friendships that are developing 
uh, from that. And that's one of the kind of cool things to see happen with it is, and then it's like, oh, kind of going back to what I said, hey, we should do something. Hey, we totally should. And then, boom, something happens. Uh, and, and then you have that, and then you have this genuine desire for these bar and restaurant operators, these chefs, to want to share what they've discovered with people who are coming in to eat, right? And that's, that's that step to the consumer. You can spend all day telling somebody how good a dish is that you made or how good the beer you brewed is. But when you have a third party come in that's, you know, the operator and owner of a restaurant who has built up a clientele or who is, you know, doing something to define kind of what's happening in their city. And when you have them go to the people who come in there and eat and be like, hey, I want you to try this. I want you to taste this product because I met this person and I want to tell you what they're doing. That's that undeniable sale as a consumer of like, oh, I absolutely need to try that. And that's where you then take it that one step further, right? Where they're going to try it no matter what it is. And this is that where it jumps from being beer to being a beverage to be in a community to be a story where they may have had a horrible experience with an IPA, but now you've got this person they trust saying, you need to try this because these people are doing some incredible things. And then they try it and they're like, Oh, this is really good. What is it? And then they say, Oh, this is an IPA from this new local brewery that opened up down the street that we're going to start doing stuff with. So the perception of how that person just tasted completely changes. Yeah, and um, at least from my perspective, um, I try to, when I have an opportunity to educate someone, I try to get people to think of beer as a tool or a set of flavors. It's neither good nor bad. I, I try to get them off of that good or bad ledge. I try and pull them back from that ledge and say, how can you use this to your advantage? How can you turn this into a flavor profile that delights instead of overwhelms or, or is just undesirable? And, um, and I, it seems to me that, you know, the, you know, the culinary world is much the same way. It's like, you know, you may love onions. I may not love onions, but you know, how can we use them? I, I may not want raw onions in my salad, but I'm certainly going to put them in the stew because I want that, you know, uh, net effect of that flavor in the end. So it's, I kind of think about the same thing with beer. Is that, I mean, do you, do you think of that in a similar way or is that, does that resonate? Absolutely. I've got a question for you. How are you engaging with your customers? Are you adding value or just vying for attention? If you have a business, then you are an authority and should be regarded as a partner in everyone's mutual success. But getting that message across in the first place, that's the trick. At Mountain Sea Media, I use education and storytelling to keep your brand on top of mind. So if you're done with ineffective marketing and want to create more impact, I want Mountain Sea Media to be your resource for high-value branded content. Contact me at jeremy at mountainseamedia.com to explore the possibilities. After all, it's your story. I'll help you tell it. Then, um, yeah, that resonates for sure. I, I think it's just, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you don't want to give someone who's kind of new to beer, something really aggressive. Like I would never start someone off with a goose, for example, but you know, when we're talking about, you know, the world of flavor and culinary, it's like, oh man, you, you can't deny a good, a good goose. 
although I probably won't be drinking goose when I go watch the Super Bowl with my friends, but when we're trying to cook something really interesting, then okay, now now we need to start playing with some of those flavors. So that's that's where I you know I I want people to kind of think more objectively and and. I don't want them to be dispassionate about the flavor in the beer and the experience, but I, I want them to think about how can I use these as tools to create a better experience. And I, that's kind of what I think about when you're telling the story, when I, when I hear you telling the story. But um, actually on, on that uh, note of what you were talking about, um, I, I wanted to ask you if you're willing to share, I mean, granted, we're all kind of sort of coming out of COVID but what were some of the restaurants and breweries uh, around uh, the nation that are just doing the beer and food thing really, really well? That are that are kind of inspirations that we all should kind of look to. Oh, um, absolutely loaded question there as well. Um, you know, because there's probably so many that that I just don't know about, right? That are out there because there's so many people that are, that are pushing the envelope and doing things. Uh, and, and just really kind of, uh, working with it. So I, I almost like kind of feel bad of like trying to call a couple of people that I know that are, that are doing it, did it right out there and, and leaving all of these people out of it. Um, I, I think the overarching thing of it is the, the people that are the ones that are doing it right out there right now, they're the ones who have a complete team. Those are gonna. You're gonna. You can cut me off if you're like this is too much of a pass of an answer. But it's, <laughs> well, it's really I, that I, complete team, right? I, oh, go I, ahead. I, I was gonna say I, I appreciate uh, your position is somewhat semi-political, and so you're you're trying to uh, uh, keep it cool for everyone out there. But um, but you know I've experienced some some breweries that are just like man, I could go here for the food and never have a beer and be absolutely happy. Um, but uh, so I, I was hoping to get you to talk about that. But anyway, you're going to answer the question in a in a way that you know will still you know I, I hope answer the question for anyone listening. Yeah, and really, it's, it's it's looking for that team. You know, it's looking for the place that opened up with you know a a, a chef or having somebody you know do a create a menu that tells the story of that brewery. What you're not looking for is a place where it's like beer, 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 beer. Oh, and we have food because we have to, because that's how we got our license or, oh yeah, you might want something to eat. You're, you're looking for where they put as much thought into the service as to the beer, as to the food. And that's, that's, you can tell that almost immediately from walking into a place or, or from, from a, a lot of places out there. And you're seeing more and more, chefs kind of cross over into that uh, realm of where they're okay working at a, a, at a, at a brew pub or a place that only serves beer. And they're willing to elevate that food to the level of the beer that that brew pub is in brewing and, and kind of make those changes. You're also looking for somebody who's willing to take risks, right? There's kind of that perception that's been out there of what, uh, a brew pub is or what uh, a play, a brewery serves as food. And that's all starting to change. You know, you're looking at people who are willing to change a menu, to have a seasonal menu, to let their staff kind of explore, to work with local farms and local producers and have the same values and beliefs that they put into their beer as they do into their food. That uh, That's great. I, I've, I've, 
I've witnessed the same thing. People that are trying to step out from, hey, we, you know, we've got wings, we've got a burger, um, and they may still have wings, they may still have a burger, but they're trying to do the wings and the burger in a different way, and and uh, to not not downright challenge the perceptions, but to kind of tweak them and and kind of bring people along this kind of like a culinary adventure, and 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 I find that to be. Uh, it just adds to the experience of like, wow, where are we going to go next with this stuff? And it's, um, it, it, it kind of speaks to all the, all the culinary TV shows and, and on the travel channel and everything else that we've been watching for decades now. It, it's like, you know, we've been, we've been watching, watching Anthony Bourdain and all these other people go on these wonderful adventures. And, and when we actually go to a brewery and they have, you know, that, that burger that makes us feel like this is what I came here for, but, you know, tweaking it in a different way, then it's almost like we're kind of having our own little micro adventure. And, and frankly, I love that. And I know not everyone does, but I love going somewhere and, and kind of going on this, a little bit of a journey and having the, having the chef and the brewer kind of lead us and guide us on this trip. Absolutely. Um, what I, I want to find out, um, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about, um, you know, pairing beer and food and you have, um, the beer and food course on, on, uh, craftbeer.com and, and there's a bunch of stuff that you've done, but I'm going to ask, will you walk us through your approach of putting beer and food together in a, in a great pairing? Sure. Um, you know, so the, the first thing is, is that, uh, this is probably the biggest hurdle for a lot of, uh, cooks, chefs, um, even some restaurants that, that have kind of set things they do to get over is that for the majority of what we all work with, the beer is already brewed. It's in the keg, the bottle or the can. What's not created yet is the dish. And so that's where the flexibility needs to come in. Uh, and, you know, the, the first step is really having that conversation with the brewer or the brewery and saying, what do you want to highlight out of this? What, what's your favorite part about this beer? Why did you, why did you make this beer how you made it? And then taking that and saying, okay, what can I do in the pairing part of it to, to elevate this? That's kind of the entry level side of it, right? Then for those of us that have been doing this a while longer, then it's going to the brewer like going back to that kind of savor, you know, example of like some of the things that we do there, then it's going back to the brewer and saying, okay, what's your comfort level? You know, to use the same analogy you did, are you more of a meat and potatoes kind of person or can we really push the envelope on this? Cause there could be some cool things in these hops that you're using or in the malt bill that you used or how the carbonation hits on the palate here, but it's not going to be an easy pairing to find. And you, you've got people who are like, oh, absolutely, throw me in that category, push the envelope, challenge it. I'm fine if a few people don't get it. Let's have some fun. And then you definitely have people who are like, no, this is like, this is one of our core beers. Please stay in the lane. Um, and and that's both are entirely fine. Uh, but it's really figuring that out and then kind of going to to say, okay, let's let's make it from there. And then you now have kind of this blank plate of what you want to, what you want to cook and start with one thing. 
right? So start with whatever whatever one ingredient you come with and then build the other ingredients around that. And then here's where it gets that challenging part is now the part is to keep it simple uh, because you have everything that's going on in the beer and you have what you're creating now. And there's this thing where you can start just spiraling out where you're like, and then this with the malt and this with the hops and this with the yeast and Oh, this to finish. And now you've just wrecked somebody's palate in one dish, <laughs> potentially even one bite. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I thought you were gonna. I thought you had some more to it. Um, so, oh, you, I could keep going, but uh, I was like, we should probably get your voice in here. No, well, <laughs> no, I, no, I appreciate that. Um, I, 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 that's a different approach than I've heard of because, of course, you're coming from the culinary world, and you know, when I when I talk to people like me, like, oh, well, we start with impact and complementing and contrast, and and. And and maybe I've uh, been studying those things so much, at least lately, that you know I, I'm I'm kind of tired of hearing the word complement and contrast, and and sometimes things just go because they go, and 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 uh, I'm I you know not exactly sure why they go together. They uh, in fact I was just thinking about um, something one of one of my favorite little combinations that I discovered a few years ago is. Is I absolutely love the the collision of a sweet stout and pastrami, and 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 you know I, I I've I've spent some time trying to deconstruct why sweet stout and pastrami makes sense together, um, but it really doesn't matter if it's complementing or contrasting whatever. I just know that when I when I drink some uh, a sweet stout and and eat some pastrami or even a Reuben sandwich, I know that the clouds are going to part and the angels are going to sing. Um, but when you talk about it from a, a chef standpoint, then it's like you've already have all the stuff deconstructed, but you're deconstructing it from the from the the flavors and the and the parts. And you know, you might take a like a, a bell pepper. I mean, that's probably something that's pretty hard to to pair. And in most cases, but you know, what if you do this to it? What if you do that to it? What if you use this beer or that beer? Um, it it's a it's an in- interesting, different thought exercise when you look at it from the standpoint of here's the beer. What am I going to do now? Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's the hard part about it because uh, you know, and, and not to speak ill of, of what happened with, you know, how we all approached wine dinners, but there was this difference of this is the wine. And then the chef was like, this is my menu. And then with beer, it's, this is the beer, and then it's, okay, cool, how are we going to play with this? Okay. Because everyone uh, in the in the wine dinner scenario, you kind of, everyone had their, their uh, for lack of better words, their ego on the line. So it's like, this is my wine, love it or hate it, but this, this goes with this cheese, and because I said so. Is, is that kind of the mentality that a lot of people brought yeah, to those little- things? Yeah, absolutely. And that's also starting to change as well, too. Again, not to bash on it. We all drink wine, right? Absolutely. Um, but it, it, it is what started how that kind of went. You you go back to the the chefs that I worked under, many of my friends worked under. It was the chef's menu, right? It wasn't like, oh, what's in this bottle? How can I play with this? It's, this is the dish I'm going to cook because this is the best dish I can make right now. And there was this division on it and kind of the separation and now there's becoming this conversation and this is this is really where beer and breweries and chefs have taken it so much further because of that willingness to say 
push the envelope, go jump, do this, try it. And then again, even further, you know, that next step that happens where chefs and brewers develop that relationship is, okay, cool. We had fun. We did this once. Now, when you're starting to plan your next thing, and this is where that whole restaurant brewery relationship comes into play. And you see this happening uh, a little bit uh, in, in the industry. Okay. That was really cool. The first time, Hey, I haven't brewed the beer yet. What do you want to do now? Now you just flip the whole table around and saying, okay, we've got, you know, 30, 45, 60 days, whatever out. I've got a tank that's open. You want to play? And then you get that reverse relationship going. That's fantastic. And, and I've, I've, um, I was listening to, uh, I think it was the Liquid Bread podcast with uh, Rich Higgins, but uh, they were talking about um, oyster stouts that are actually made with like oyster shells put into the, in, it, you know, made or put into the beer as they're making it, and and just kind of what comes out of that too. Is that the type of thing that you're talking about, where it's like, okay, we got a stout, but what if we throw some oyster shells and some you know briny seawater in in there as well? Is is that the same type of thing? A little bit, yeah, but it's also like, hey, you know, what do you guys have coming up on your menu or what are you doing for your next menu change? And, oh, cool, you want, you know, uh, something that's got more citrus or you want something lighter or you want something, you know, lower or higher in alcohol or, oh, you want something that's, like, elegant because we're coming into this season or, you know, smooth or, oh, you want super hoppy because you're, you know, you're rolling out a new – you know, something with a charcuterie program where there's a lot of fat that can just play with all these hops. It, it goes a whole bunch of different ways. It, it even goes into that of like, you know, yeah, okay, hey, you know, kind of like what you were just talking about, what Rich mentioned. But yeah, you know, oyster stouts kind of fell off people's radar for a while. And interestingly, they've kind of popped up here and there again and, uh, in, in, you know, doing some stuff with that. Um, not so much some of the crazy stuff, uh, you know, uh, of what people have been brewing with, but it's more about, talking about the flavors that the chef may be coming into using and how a brewer could, could kind of come right into that lane and, and work with it. That, that just seems like a fun exercise, even for brewers who are, you know, I, I, I just, I kind of lump brewers and in, in probably even chefs and in the same categories, musicians, where you, there's a lot of fun of that initial creation where we're writing this hit song, we're, we're making this hit beer and we're going to make this incredible menu and now that that's created, now we have to make it again and again and again and again. So I, I would imagine that a brewer would like love most brewers, not all brewers, but some brewers would love to like, hey, w- you know, I've been making the stout to keep that theme alive. Um, I've been making the stout the same way forever. What if? What if we did this and what if we did that? And, you know, that's probably how we got tropical stouts in the first place. You know, one of the a rare, but one of my favorite beers. And and it's just it's just kind of fun to play with it and play with flavors and, and using the flavor as a tool for that experience that we were talking about earlier. At least you yeah, know, as far absolutely. as I'm concerned. Um, all right, uh, Chef, I've got uh, kind of a little scenario for you. Um uh, if if you were to agree to uh, teach a uh, cooking class uh, for first year culinary students of cooking with beer, this is your class, your syllabus, um, cooking with beer for first year culinary students, uh, which may may or may not include the layperson who's an enthusiast. What would you cover? How long do I have? Give me a time frame. Is it like? <laughs> 
Um, well, it, it, do, I, do they, I get them for a day, an hour, a week? Well, what I'm going to ask you to do is just kind of what would be on your syllabus? I mean, you know, don't give us the class, on, you know, right now, but what, what are the things that you would cover? You know, kind of that whole thing of an, uh, a quick intro, you know, learn some history, learn how we got to where we got to, um, learn some of the key people who got us there uh, in, in the brewing, you know, world, learn the ingredients learn the brewing process, right? That's going to connect so many people to it because you see all these, that's, that's where if you truly are passionate about cooking and you read anything about the brewing process, you're literally going to know right off the bat that, that the, the two are so connected. Um, and, and that's just, there's a lot of aha moments that happen in there. This gets, so we're kind of in this like, I don't want to call it boring, but we're not in the fun part, right? Okay. Uh, then it's kind of an intro to intro to ingredients and styles and tasting through those, and getting getting that kind of core basis in there. And then here's probably the biggest one: it's learning that in the beer world we have two different ways to taste beer, right? We haven't talked about this yet, uh, so you know we'll pause here for a second and I'll tell you what, where this is because. This is something that really kind of changes people's minds for a lot of things. So first way to taste beer, doesn't mean if I'd be first, but one way to taste beer is take a sip and maybe you're familiar with it because of, of what you do in the world or you look at the Brewers Association style guidelines and you read through it and you come to the conclusion that this is within the style guidelines for, let's just say, an American IPA. And you go, okay, so this is what an American IPA tastes like. Good to know. Nowhere in any of that, right, we can expand on that where you can go into ABV, you can go into SRM, you can go into, you know, gravity and alcohol and all of the parts about getting to the style guideline. Nowhere in that where you ask or should you have been asked, do you like this beer? <laughs> That's the second way of tasting a beer. If you taste the beer, you might recognize the style. doesn't necessarily matter so much. But the last question you ask yourself is, do I like this? Interesting. And you've got to understand how to balance both. Because when it gets to the hospitality world of it, I can't go to a table and talk to somebody and hammer into them why they need to like an IPA. I can't say, this is within this range of alcohol and it has, you know, this many IBUs and these are the hot profiles that it has. And you need to like this because this is, this is an IPA. I, I like that you approach around to the other side. Well, I, I like that approach because there have been plenty of times that I've asked someone to, um, what, what beer do you like? Or bring me, you know, surprise me, just bring me a beer that you want to bring me. And, and, and sometimes they'll even say, Ooh, I'm going to bring you, uh, my favorite, and then they bring it to me, and it's like, oh, that is not what I am in the mood for, or I don't like these kind of beers. And you know, and that's you know, if I wanted to be adventurous and let someone just kind of surprise me with it, that's totally fine. But, but uh, you, it kind of begs the question of not, ooh, I like this. This would be great with your Chopino, um, when it may not be. But it, it kind of begs the question of like, do I like it? Should should come last in that scenario what do you like or what would go great with this dish um 
because if I'm not in the mood for a West Coast IPA, but a West Coast IPA would go magically with this dish, then maybe that's what I ought to have. Absolutely. Hmm. So uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Uh, what else would you uh, cover in this class? I mean, would you get into, well, I think I kind of uh, derailed your, your intro uh, professor, but, um, uh, (laughs) but, but I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm one of those enthusiasts. I'm dying to know. So that, that part right there takes a little bit of time, you know, to, to get people over of, you know, because so many of us who've been in the industry are like, yeah, this is this style and boom and, Getting to that part of, you know, yeah, but do you like it? Well, of course I like it. It's an IPA. Okay, that didn't answer my question. Yeah. <laughs> um, then the next step after that gets into learning how to describe and how to talk about beer. You know, that's long been one thing that I've said is that, you know, we never did ourselves any any favors in the beer world of coming up with our, a, a lot of our own vocabulary, <laughs> right? That That hurt us a little bit because, Anytime somebody goes into a place, especially if it's a new restaurant or a new bar or a new brewery, a new brew pub, everybody wants to know something. Go back to savor. You need to have some level of familiarity for people's palates, for their brain, for their experience. And so, you know, we walk up to a table and we say, hi, you know, I've got this great Saison that's fermented with this yeast strain and it's, you know, this and this and this. And then maybe you start going into all these other words, you know. This is where we can take a page from wine and spirit, right? Mm-hmm. If I, if you, if we walk up to a table and instead of dropping all these words about how a saison was brewed and what a saison yeast is and you know this, this, and this, but instead, if you walk up to somebody who's, who's new in there and you say, "Hey, it's a little warmer outside today, and we've got something that's like light and crisp and super refreshing and has like a little bit of subtle mineral notes and some citrus profile to it," does that sound good to you? You have no idea if I just said I'm going to bring you a wine, a beer, or a cocktail. But True. the person you talk to just, but the person you talk to, literally knows every single word you just said. Yeah. And they now feel a little bit more comfortable because they're going to know. Ooh, do I like citrus? Do I like this? Do I like that? And so that's that's that kind of final step before pushing somebody out and saying, okay, go for it, start to explore on your own, and say, don't don't take what you learn about it and literally just spit it out verbatim back to someone. You have to situationally learn how to talk to people about it and talk to you about it, how they're going to be comfortable uh, because they're, you lose people, right? If you're trying to describe how amazing a brown ale is compared to a Pinot Noir and why it's the Pinot Noir of the beer world, they're going to stop you 30 seconds in and be like, just bring me the glass of Pinot. You know, and, and and I've talked about this before with a bunch of different guests, but, you know, when you go into a bar or restaurant, uh, and, and if we're talking about service, to me, that right there, what you just described is, you know, a key difference between that server or bartender that just takes your order, you know, the order takers, versus that server or bartender that is going to be your table guide. and And that's a big difference between... You know what? How your experience is going to go, um, and 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 frankly, and from my experience, how uh, sometimes guests are going to treat the staff, quote unquote, um, whether it's going to be treat them poorly or treat them well. But when if you're 
if you're a professional in this and you're working in a restaurant and you present yourself with knowledge, with um, with this vocabulary and 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 with the uh, with the kind of uh, mojo that I want to take you on a journey and basically asking for permission to just here's the flavor profile. Would you like that? That sounds great. We don't know if it's a wine, beer, or a cocktail, but whatever whatever I'm going to get as the guest, I, I have, I'm pretty confident it's going to be spectacular now. Yes, and that's, that's that level you're looking for because if you don't do that, then you have this disconnect, and then you have that person that's like, that person's in their own world. They have no idea what I want. This is not going to be a good experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't want an IPA with my Chopino just because you like the IPA. You know, we, we need to have a little bit more to that. Um, uh, when, when we get to the portion of this, uh, same class of cooking uh, with beer, uh, what's your approach on, um, you know, putting beer into uh, or using beer as an ingredient? Ooh, okay. Um, so this is this is one where I where I won't play political on it or like any sides with that. So <laughs> thank you. Um, cooking cooking with beer has to be it, it has to be approached super carefully, right? This is again where in the industry we just shot ourselves in the foot. Like, what the hell was the eleven beer chili? Like why? Like why? <laughs> so <laughs> it, it needs to be the same reason of cooking with any alcohol. It needs to have, and this is where you identify with the brewer in it, you know, like all breweries at the base of it have this little science brain going on. It has to have a reason to be there. Are you deglazing a pan? Are you, do you need it to hold an emulsion? Do you need it for a purpose? Do you, and, you know, then find the right beer that works and go with it. Adding beer to a dish just for the sake of adding beer, it, it generally doesn't work out that well not going to say that it always doesn't because there are definitely times where I've had it and I've been like, I would never do this, but Hey, this is pretty super cool. Um, so my general approach and, and what I like advise people on is like, think about it. Does it have a reason to be there? And the reason can't be like, because it's cool, man. Like it needs to, it needs to start with that. Like first thing, maybe get to the point where you play around a little bit later, if it turns into like a garnish thing or, or whatnot like that. But you know, beer's super, interesting in, in its kind of flavor profiles of how it works, especially when you start talking about like reducing beer, you know, and I think that a lot of ways that it kind of comes around to where you can really use beer in cooking is that first take the beer and make it into something else, right? If you take beer and you turn it into vinegar, that now has a whole bunch more culinary uses than just here's beer go. Hmm. Even in the deglazing, right? Even in the deglazing part, you know, it, it's it's a little harder because the alcohol content is generally lower. Yes, we do have several beers that are, you know, 10% ABV and higher, but, uh, you know, um, but, and then the most part you see it is where you get into dessert. And that's, that's fine. But again, this is where you've got to kind of get people to break out of that. Um, one of the best things you can do with a stout or a barrel-aged beer and if you want to endear yourself to a brewery that's been brewing stouts and barrel-aged beer for a long time, don't pair it with chocolate. 
<laughs> Thank you. That's like, Thank you. Know. You. <laughs> you know, I, I'm frankly, I don't always love the collision of anything barrel H or a stout with chocolate. Sometimes it kind of cancels for me and doesn't go over well. But I, 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 I didn't want to say it out loud. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, that's it, what you just said is exactly what almost every brewery that does that says. They're starting to do it more now, but they're like, I didn't want to say that out loud, but oh my God, thank you. I'm not there. And it's like, good, don't, because like stouts and even like these big barrel aged beers, they are amazing with so many things that happen in a, in a earlier courses that, and also like, that's the way to like, really, if you're doing a beer dinner or like if you're, you're having people over to your house and you end with like rich chocolate and a 17% barrel aged beer, people leave like, palate fatigue, tired, you know, like, just like, oh, that was a lot. That's yeah. not going to have somebody want to repeat that experience. End on a light note, you know, and and that's one thing we've been able to do, thankfully, is to throw out that pairing order we came with, you know, where we're always like, build in intensity. Like, why? I know we had our period where we said that, like, but like, we now look back on that and be like, oh, oh, geez. Yeah, no. Don't build an intensity, like use the food to cleanse the palate, to move it so that at the end of a meal, you leave feeling refreshed, awake, relaxed, not over full. Because those are the things people want to seek to repeat. Like how many times do you go back to the restaurant or, or, you know, the place where you're at, where you just leave like literally hurting, like, I can't do that again. Oh my gosh. It was so much. It was so intense. It's like, uh, I guess reading a book or listening to a song or or a or even watching a movie where that ends at the very peak of the action. It, it, that doesn't happen, at least at least not anymore. There there have been a few movies that like you know the you know the hero wins the day, movie's over, and everyone walks out going, oh that kind of sucked. There's there's always some sort of like resolution, you know, of of, of something, and we, we kind of need that in the same experience from my perspective um because if you're going to gut punch your palate with a barrel aged um beer and a, a barrel aged stout and a and a chocolate mousse then then you kind of need a little kind of like a a, a digestivo uh beer afterwards just to kind of like okay it's all good we're going to smooth things out we just kind of hit our peak and and now now we're going to ride this uh blissful wave uh all the way home yes Exactly. Yeah. You need something in there to do that. And, you know, again, yeah, like you said, there might be that moment where you're like, no, we're ending like this and that's fine, but you know what? Fix it. You keep, keep one little thing at the end there, or slide it back a little bit and, and make sure you end it on that kind of like light, happy note. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm so glad you said that out loud because I've, I've kind of suspected, or I, I've, I've been very skeptical for a long time from, from experience about the whole, you know, dark stout and chocolate and just like, uh, that's just uh, too much. Um, but, uh, so you've been doing this a long time, um, and, and you've been uh, on the forefront of trying to educate all of us in the beer business as well as consumers, but what do you wish more consumer beer consumers and home chefs knew about cooking with beer and uh, cooking or yeah, cooking beer and food together. So like, are we talking about like cooking it in the recipe? Like we were just talking or are we talking like more like just pairing and like the whole world that goes in carte blanche, whichever way you want to go with it. It's up to you, but what do you wish more Whatever people we want to go? Yeah. 
Um, I, you know, I, I, I think I'll start with, I, I wish people would know that it's okay to not like something. Um, and, and to, and, and to be able to talk about that. And it's not, and I mean that in like a couple different ways. Like when we do the tastings for the savor menu, I always tell people to like, write down what you taste. If, if I tell you I taste lemon and you don't taste lemon, don't spend your time trying to find the lemon. Cause if you do, you're missing your pairing moment. And I think that's one thing I really wish is that, that you know, that's one thing that happened, I think, was a lot of like what you said earlier about this TV things and this and this and this. People seek to replicate something, uh, and they're missing their own moment in trying to seek that replication. And so I think that's one thing. It's like pay attention to what you taste because that's more important than what I tell you I taste. So, um, so all think, the, all know, these chef shows that say that you know you have to do this, you have to measure this much, you have to. Um, so what you're saying is we don't really have to do that. We need to take what we learn and apply it in our own way. Did I did I? Yeah. Get that right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm gonna have to like probably like slightly disagree with you on that measuring part because like if it's a recipe and you you do want to kind of measure appropriately, but but. Where I'm getting at is when the at the end of it when they present it or they're saying why they did it or what their flavors were or what their reasoning was, you don't need to replicate that. You don't, you know. And if and if you don't like something, right? Like if you're making a recipe and you're like, oh my gosh, I do not like avocado. Well, don't don't force it. Like be uh-huh. like, okay, well, what do I what do I like? And that's just what I see so much of right now is that people force themselves into trying to like something because it seems to be the thing you do. And it's like, come on, just eat and drink what you like and continue to explore and, and change, but don't be like, Oh my gosh, I have to like this. Awesome. Um, so I think that's, that's one. I think, you know, I think the second one is, is just to know that, you know, it doesn't have to have all of this, um, pomp and circumstance around a beer dinner or, or pairing beer with food, right? It, it can be very simple. It can be very easy. It can be very casual. Uh, there doesn't always need to be all these talks. You don't always have to get up in between each course. You don't always have to have all of this discussion. Sometimes it's just great to like pull back, let the beer and food do their thing, let people just enjoy. Um, and and then kind of collect it later because I think that's that's you know recognizing that right now it's our job to let people enjoy and create their own experience is incredibly important. Uh, I I couldn't agree with that more. Um, uh, it's just empowering and educating those people to learn how to create their own experience. I think is the at least for me seems to be the trick. Fair. Yes. 100% agree with that. Gotcha. Um, so I've got a few uh, closing questions for you because I want to be mindful of the time and, and thank you for the time you spent with me today. But um, um, uh, if I could turn you into the king of the beer and the culinary world for one day, what's the first thing you would change? Oh, boy. Um, that's like a there's like so many directions to go here. Um, um, 
I think I would say, I think the first thing I would change is I would say access, access to beer and access to ingredients. Um, you know, I think that, uh, it's, it is very hard for some people to find, um, uh, some styles or some things of beer and very hard for people to find some types of ing- certain ingredients or things like that. And I think that there's definite work, um, within what we do in the U S uh, you know, of how, uh, consumers have access to ingredients and the beers. And I think o- opening that up and opening it, making an ability for people to be able to access these things would be one of them. And that's like, I know that's kind of a cheesy answer because it's like back end, like, you know, a lot of work on that, but I, that's one that's always so hard because you want to share a beer with someone or you want to share an ingredient with someone, but you know, they can't get it. And then you kind of feel like, you know, that jackass who's like, eh, look what I got. So like, Knocking that down a little bit uh, and, and making it so that there's easier access to things, I think, would be definitely one of them. Um, I think, you know, the other one would be really what we, we spent a lot of time talking about is just saying whatever you taste is what you taste and, and go with it. It's, you know, um, and if you don't, if you, if, you know, feel free to share that with people, even if you're not in the industry, you know. Uh, we all learn by hearing feedback from what people say. And, we're, you know, hopefully we're all getting better at, you know, the, the criticism part and the how, to, how to make things better. But everybody finds that interesting. Like, oh, I never thought about that flavor. But if I think about it, oh, I see it. Or, oh, I never thought about serving it or cooking it like this. But, oh, I, I see it and like that. And, um, I, think, I think those are probably two of the good ones. And then uh, outside of that, just, have have chefs and brewers keep just playing together and creating new friendships and relationships and just continue to see where beer and food goes and what else it does, you know, not only just in the beer and food world, but, you know, for the community uh, that the breweries and the restaurants that are in and, and for, you know, what we're still on this continual path of defining what American cuisine is. And that, that includes beverages, predominantly beer, because we make a lot of it. Well, it, and, you know, I know we are still very much in the uh, infant stage of understanding how we taste and smell things. And so given that, we can extrapolate that, you know, we are also very much in the uh, infant stage of of pairing beer and food together. I mean, it, this was not that big of a conversation 10, 20 years ago, um, and it's just becoming even more important now. So I, I'm looking forward to that bright future. Um uh, so uh, next scenario is uh, tomorrow uh, the Brewers Association is going to send you on uh, on a rocket. Uh, I saw in the news that William Shatner is going on a, a, a rocket today. So you get to go fly with uh, William Shatner out into space. You're going to uh, head toward Mars and set up and basically single-handedly create the new Martian culinary world. But today is your last day on Earth. What is going to be your last meal and your last beer? Oh, not fair at all. <laughs> um, damn. Um, how many courses do I get? No, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> that's a, that's a, honestly, I would probably go for like absolute comfort, like old school red sauce joint, you know, just lay it out there of, you know, uh, pastas and Caesar salads and chicken parmesan, just like go like old school comfort with hopefully as many friends and 
everybody's there as I can. And then, man, last, the last beer I would have, oh, I, poof, man. Uh, that's it. Let's see. I'm, can't really decide. I'm gonna have to be like two. It'd be like two answers in there of like where they come in there, and this, this is also kind of, you know, I guess going into more of a personal note and breaking with that. But like, I think I'd, I think I'd go for. Uh, I think I'd, I think I mean definitely I would go for like a Russian River Blind Pig, hands down, no problem. But also like. If you're thinking about just remembering the flavor of something and like all the stories that are there with it, like, uh, you know, something that's like near and dear to my heart is like, I, I grew up in Kansas city. And so like, I have so many fond memories of growing up with like Boulevard Pale Ale. And so like, there's also that option of like being able to take some stories and memories with me as well too. Um, and then we could probably keep going down a long, long, long list of things there too. Oh, I'm, I'm the same way. If I had to answer this question, I'd I'd probably have like two or three courses and at least a mixed six pack. Um, I'd I'd basically want to just yeah. kind of replay my highlight reel through the years and and uh, and then move on. But yeah, so it is hard, but. Um, and so is this question. Um, with all of your experience put together, why does good beer matter? That's a good question. You know, um, I, I think ultimately it matters for the, uh, you know, what's next. You know, w- one of the things that I think is, is there is like, you know, uh, what's behind the beer? What's behind the brewer? What's behind the story? What's the, you know, the connection to to the community? And, and what's, the, what's the connection to the industry? And where does it keep going? And, you know, where it comes down to is for me, Good, good beer is that experience, right? It's not just the flavor of the beer. It's what's happening, everything that's around, right? What we taste, as you said, is it's so, our knowledge there is so little. But what we see, what we smell, what we hear, what we feel, what's around us, like all of that goes into creating that experience. And there's so many times I can go back to thinking having a good beer. And this is, I think, one of the ways that I can define it is it having that good beer there with all that stuff around it, the sights, the smells, the sounds, the tastes, the flavors, the people, all of it. And then take that out of that, have that beer somewhere else. How many people and how many times have you said, wow, this doesn't taste like how I remember it, mm-hmm. but that's because you're creating something new. And that, that, that to me is what, why good beer matters is because it's, it's so much more than just what the beer on your palate is. Oh, I couldn't agree more, but thank you for saying that uh, out loud. Um, easier questions now. Uh, anyone listening, if um, uh, for anyone listening, how could they connect with you, find some of your educational resources, um, uh, kind of plug into what you've been doing? Sure. Um, so, um, you know, easiest way on that is, uh, you know, the Brewers Association has two websites on the industry side, is brewersassociation.org. On the consumer-facing side is craftbeer.com. There's a lot of stuff that I've been a part of on on, on both of those uh, that are out there. Um, a few years ago, a good friend, uh, Michael Harlan Turkon, and I wrote a book called The Beer Pantry. Uh, so you can seek that out to actually, you know, hold me, hold hold a little fire to my feet of, you know, everything we just talked about. Did I, did I translate in that into what I'm saying and something that went into print about 
cooking with beer and recipes. Um, and then really, you know, kind of like you said, of you know, as we're starting to reemerge into things, you know, the hope is that as we get into uh, 2022 that we've got, you know, favors coming back and paired that we do at the Great American Beer Festival and starting to get back out into bringing people uh, into being able to taste beer and food with us and, and having those come back. So hopefully there's several ways that get to see and interact with, with people over the course of the next 12 months. Awesome. Thank you for that as well. Um, and last thing, do you have any uh, words of wisdom or a, f- a call to action for anyone listening? <laughs> I think everything we just talked about. And you know what? Go experience some good beer. Go have some fun with it. Go try something new. Uh, and, you know, let, let that let that be a part of it as, as everybody starts to kind of, you know, as they're comfortable, get out there and, and, and reemerge and, and share your stories with people. So I may be biased and I'm, and I might be projecting, but it sounds like you said, go cook, drink a beer and listen to podcast, uh, in your kitchen at the same time. That That's what I heard. That's right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, chef Adam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for, uh, the work that you're doing in the industry of food and beer, the education you're putting out there for the rest of us. Um, I really appreciate, uh, what you're doing and, and sharing it with me here today. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Good food and experiences are no longer reserved for the wealthy or the privileged. Anyone who wants to learn how to put flavors together will have the keys to creating incredible experiences. Thank you to Chef Adam Dooley for all of his work in leading this charge. In the next episode, we learn to face life's challenges with a smile on our face and a beer in our hand with the master and commander. Good Beer Matters is a show about great beer, great friends, and the experiences we create together but it's also about better beer education so you can level up your game. So if you're a beer and food professional or even a beer enthusiast, then please subscribe to Good Beer Matters podcast and go to goodbeermatters.net for more resources and next steps. After that, grab a beer, hang out with friends, and let the world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.